Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. It is time for our first base preview. Oh, this position was a huge disappointment last year, and that was a big surprise. This is usually a position we can rely on for batting average power, RBIs, run score, just great hitters wasn't really the case last season. Recording this on Friday, February 15th, I thought I would publish this on Monday, but what's the point? Saturday's a day also, so I'm going to publish this on Saturday. I am Adam Azer with Scott White, Heath Cummings, and Chris Towers. Was last year an anomaly, guys, or is first base just not that good anymore? Anomaly. I think so. I'm not sure. There aren't a lot of prospects, first base prospects in the pipeline. There aren't a lot of players who appear to be on the verge of outgrowing other positions and having to move over to first base. I think we've seen less of that in general in recent years, which is why we've arrived at this state. Uh, we keep we keep counting on the same four at the top of the rankings who are, you know, getting up there in years. And uh, I think they'll bounce back. But yeah, there's there's lack there's there's a lack of depth in the middle. Yeah, and with Vado having a down year, with Miguel Cabrera really having two very bad years in a row, with Edwin Encarnacion starting to show some signs, the position has certainly gotten older. And which first baseman do you guys find yourselves drafting a lot as you've done some early drafts? Remember, it's only February 15th. Things will change. But who's on a lot of your teams so far? Well, the first baseman who's on the most of my teams, I'm going to say for sleepers. On the higher end, somebody I found myself drafting quite a bit. Uh, I, I think it's ideal in, in position scarcity terms to take Goldschmidt with a second round pick. I've also been drafting Jose Abreu a lot, another first baseman coming off a down year. Um, you know, if I miss out on Goldschmidt, that's usually my go-to. Yeah, he's not coming off a down year, but I have taken a lot of Matt Carpenter because he's kind of being drafted like he didn't do what he did last year. I've been drafting a lot of Cody Bellinger. I think a breakout is coming. I think he can absolutely be one of the guys who makes first base look like a better position this time next year. Cody Bellinger, Matt Carpenter, Joey Votto, Anthony Rizzo, they all have something in common. They all have something that makes first base a little bit difficult and, and hitting in general. Uh, they had either last year or in 2017 very bad seasons against lefties. And I think it really has impacted their numbers. Anthony Rizzo had a 684 OPS against lefties last year. That was his first year in five seasons with uh, an OPS lower than 832. Joey Votto struggled against lefties. Matt Carpenter bounced back against lefties, but he was really bad in 2017, and that was a bad stat for him. And I think Cody Bellinger's success will come down to how he hits against lefties because in his rookie year, Bellinger had a 903 OPS against lefties. Last year, 681. And if you go back to his minor leagues... It was up and down. Sometimes he was good against Southpaw. Sometimes Bellinger was bad. And I mentioned this on a podcast a few weeks ago. Two years in a row, the Dodgers and most of the NL West have been among the league leaders in at-bats against left-handed pitchers. So he's probably going to see a lot of them. And if he, if he hits lefties well, Bellinger's going to uh, probably give you really nice value. He is going, Although he's going a little... No, he's not going to give you nice value. He's going 43rd overall. If he plays consistently against lefties, which it, it sounds like that's what the Dodgers have want, want to do. Dave Roberts has said they're going to platoon less this year, though he cited that was mostly because of Corey Seager and A.J. Pollock. 
but down the stretch, Bellinger was basically only starting against righties, which I'm, I mean, we've talked about it a lot with Max Muncy. It, it might be just as much of a concern for Bellinger. I don't think it is. If you actually look at his career uh, numbers, I mean, he has a 782 career OPS against lefties. It's only 193 plate appearances. So the mm-hmm. fact that it's been up and down shouldn't be too surprising. And, and it's always a small sample when you're dealing with yeah, numbers true. against left-handed pitchers. But yeah. the thing that's really promising is when you look at dig into the batted ball data, he has very little difference between how he hits lefties and righties. He doesn't strike out that much more against lefties. He hits the ball really hard against lefties. Is he I, shifted? Is it just shifting, maybe? That's Oh, I, I, I think it might be a fluke. My concern is just is that how the Dodgers are going to approach mm-hmm. it? Because yeah. they stopped playing him against lefties last year. Yeah, and they just I, love platoons for I would, whatever reason. I would bank on the career number being more indicative, even if it's a small sample size, than the even smaller sample size of last year. All right, well, Bellinger is seventh or eighth in the rankings for Heath and Scott. So, you know, yesterday we talked about catchers, how many startable catchers are there. And we basically came up with like a top eight, which was guys like Salvador Perez, Wilson Ramos, Buster Posey, and some more obvious names. And then there were a couple fallback options like Danny Jansen and Francisco Mejia. And then, you know, after that, maybe one or two more guys, then it got pretty bad. But what's the number of first basemen that you feel comfortable with as your starter at first? Okay, starter at first. Okay. So that- I, I think it really depends on format mm-hmm. and yep. whether we're talking opening day or one week after opening day. Because oh, we're yes, going to have yes. some guys that become first basemen that's going to make this position look a lot better than it currently does. That's Reese Hoskins. And Daniel Murphy. Murphy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, though probably Daniel Murphy. Second base is even shallower, so probably Murphy would be drafted to play second. But those two guys would easily be, what, top ten guys in either format? Presuming good health, yes. Uh, Carlos Santana is a very trustworthy option in points leagues. Right. Not somebody you want as your first baseman in standard 5x5. Five so I, it and Joey Gallo, I don't think I'd want as my starter in a points league, but I'd be fine with him in Roto. So I, it kind of breaks down to twelve either way for me, where I can live with them as my starter. But that includes some that uh, I have concerns about, like Jesus Aguilar, Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, in theory, they're great starters, but uh, it seems like they could both fall short of expectations. But there's a lot of guys after those top twelve that are fine if you're really strong everywhere else. It's not like catcher where it drops off and they might actually hurt you. There's a lot of guys that are just fine. Okay, and we're talking about uh, Matt Olson, Miguel Cabrera. Okay, I'm not. I'm, there'll be some disagreement about these players, but Jerickson Profar, Jose Martinez, Max Muncy, etc. Um, I think Max Muncy is a top 12 guy. I, I think there's probably... I could go 14 deep before I really and it's not going to be the same order as either you guys have them but Mm. there are probably 14 or 15 first basemen that depending on how the draft went I could live with as my starter and the thing about first base and I'm sure we'll get to it eventually but it probably goes down to like 35 of guys where you could see yourself starting them in a corner infield or utility spot right Right. You, you play in a deep league. You play in AL, NL only. Uh, it, it becomes deep 
toward the bottom of the serviceable uh, options. Right. So it's it's to say it's a shallow position. I don't think is entirely accurate, but it's very like bottom heavy. <laughs> is that the same thing? I don't think so. No, no. It, it, it's deep in that respect. It, deep in terms of startable players. Yeah. You're talking about guys like Josh Bell, Yuli Gurriel, th- those kind of players. Yeah, but it's right. you know you you can you can get an advantage at a, a clear advantage at at the position in a standard mixed league pretty easily because there are clear drop-offs on the way to that that range of first baseman. All right, so let me go through some statistics and uh, just just to give a little bit of t- context and some color to the position here. Freddie Freeman was the number 1 first baseman last year in both points and roto. Um, he was the number 12 hitter in points leagues, number 17 in Roto. He scored 538 fantasy points. That was 100 points fewer than Joey Votto the year before when Votto was the number one first baseman. It was a great year for Votto, though. Um, the 538 fantasy points that Freddie Freeman scored are the fewest for a number one first baseman since Miguel Cabrera in 2014. Freeman actually scored more fantasy points in 2016 than he did in 2018, and he was only number six in 2016 among first basemen. Last year, seven first base eligible players hit 30 or more home runs. In 2017, 14 hit 30 or more home runs. And in 2016, 12 did it. So that's just a little bit of context about how the position really struggled last year. Uh, let's talk about Freddie Freeman. Right now, he is going eight. Uh, no, 22nd overall. He's actually the second first baseman off the board behind Paul Goldschmidt. Um, I am really excited about Freddie Freeman. I feel oh, like me he, too. Yeah, right. Like, is any is who isn't excited about uh, Freddie? Chris Freeman? and Scott. Team it, Scott. It's tough. So yes. we saw Scott. Freddie Freeman make the leap to the legitimate elite level tier. He was one of the five or five to seven best hitters in baseball. Uh, from 2016 to basically when he broke his wrist in 2017. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get a chance to fully savor it because yeah. he kept getting hurt. But yeah. and then since that broken wrist in 2017, he's kind of reverted back to the 2013 to 2015 version. And maybe he needed a full season to get back to health. That's not out of the question. You saw when Giancarlo Stanton broke his hand a couple years ago. He wasn't the same guy the immediate year afterwards, but then he had 58 home runs the following year. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's possible, but most of his career, it really, it comes down to the home run power. He's Mm -hmm. always hit a ton of doubles, but basically it's 23 home runs or fewer every year except for 2016 and the first half of 2017. His, his... The the previous two years where he was great, where he was legitimately first round caliber with the power and everything, uh, the fly ball rate was as high as it's ever been for him. And last year, it 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 took a step back to where it was earlier in his career, especially in the second half. Only seven home runs in the second half with the fly ball rate sub thirty percent. So that's kind of like a an Eric Hosmer thing going on there with the power. Now I think he's much better than Eric Hosmer because his line drive rate, how hard he hits the ball, is ridiculous. But um, you know, I I am not counting on more than twenty five homers from uh, even a healthy Freddie Freeman. Yeah, and see, the thing for me with that fly ball rate is that all those fly balls turned into line drives last year. I get oh, he's worried. A great hitter. I get worried about when fly balls turn into ground balls. But the difference between a fly ball and a line drive is so minuscule, and the odds of him having a thirty two percent line drive rate again are pretty slim. 
So I would expect more fly balls. And he had a hard contact rate over 40% and saw his home run to fly ball rate go down from 19.9 the two previous years to 14.9%. So I just more think that 2016, 2017 is closer to what we should expect in terms of power than 2018. And he has been awesome at everything else. He even stole more bases than Paul Goldschmidt last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, that's the thing. He, he might give you 10 steals. He gave you 10 last year. He gave you, I think, 7 the year before, and he missed some time. So Freeman does that. Freeman's better in a points league um, because it, because of the doubles. I mean, he's a doubles machine, and he walks a ton. But that's not to say he's not great in Roto. But last year, he was a number 12 hitter in points leagues, number 17 in Roto. And I think with Freeman and with, and with Anthony Rizzo, um, they're both better in points leagues. Rizzo was Rizzo had a down year last year, but he was still the number twenty one overall hitter in points leagues, number thirty six in roto. He basically walks as much as he strikes out, so that's a, I, a huge I kinda boost. wonder if Goldschmidt's gonna be better in points leagues this year than he is in Roto. Because the steals can't really count on Goldschmidt for steals anymore. He's had like like twelve steals in two hundred and fifty games or something like that. I, I have the thirteen steals in his last two hundred and five games since the two thousand seventeen All Star break. But we don't know. I mean, you can't. You shouldn't drop Goldschmidt expecting steals at this point. But he is on a new team now that may have a different philosophy in terms of how often they let him run. So there's, you know, at least we know he has the capacity for 20 steals that uh, none of these other guys do. Um, I, I would, I, I do think there's a big difference between Freeman and Rizzo with regard to format because. Freeman is one of the most reliable sources of batting average in baseball. Uh, going to be at over or near 300. And you know, Rizzo probably isn't going to help you too much in batting average. He makes up for it a lot with a good walk-to-strikeout ratio in points leagues. But he uh, he's... I, I don't even think at his best he's a first-round type bat in standard roto. Yeah, I, I totally agree. However... If you replace batting average with OBP, Rizzo is very good there. He's not like Vado good, but he's between 376 and 392, five straight seasons in yep. on-base percentage. And as also Freeman very good there as well. Um, all right, just a, a few more stats. Paul Goldschmidt hit just 238 at home last year uh, with the Humidor. Usually he was amazing at home. He was great both home road, but struggled at home last year. Career at Bush Stadium, 890 OPS. That's nice. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion now has seven straight seasons with 32 or more home runs and 98 or more RBIs. And he has a 966 career OPS at Safeco. So it was just, you know, it doesn't seem like Encarnacion had that good of a year last year, but 32 home runs and, and 107 RBIs, uh, number well, 10 in points, number six in Roto. If we're comparing him to himself. He, he didn't have a great year. When you're as good as he's been for the last what seven years, uh, you're you you can go a long way before you're not good. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm afraid he may be nearing the breaking point, though. He's uh, 36 years old, and the last couple years, his plate discipline numbers, which were part of what really set him apart during his Blue Jays days in points leagues. Uh, where sometimes he was competing for the top overall hitter in fantasy. But those play discipline numbers have started to go bad, badly. And last year was the most drastic difference. Uh, worst ever strikeout rate, except maybe at the very start of his career, and worst worst walk rate since then, too. Joey Votto had a bad year, but he had a career-high 41% hard contact rate. 
Uh, he had a Freeman-like year where he had 31.4% line drives. I mean, that's unbelievable. And a 9.5% home run to fly ball rate, less than half of what his home run to fly ball rate had been each of the previous three seasons. Votto hit 12 home runs. So the batted ball numbers for Votto, were they encouraging or discouraging last year? Is he, he had a you know really down season. We, we talk about line drive rate and how it kind of bounces around a little bit. The thing that concerns me with Joey Votto last year is that he is one of the few hitters in baseball that I feel like can kind of determine that. Like he has so much control over what he does at the plate. And his approach just did not seem to be fat power focused at all last year. But he kind but of, he could change that this year. He's well, changed it midseason before. Yeah, he and he acknowledged it, I think, around August. I, I tried to find the exact article, but he said he made some changes expecting his skills to diminish more than they actually did. And <laughs> September was like his so, best power month of the season. So annoying. It, it, it's kind of I, I made the the joke with Trevor Bauer that he could tinker himself his way out of uh Cyan <laughs> yeah. contention. That might be what happened to Joey Votto. He also might have just been a little unlucky. According to the baseball savant stats, he was still a top 10 hitter in expected outcomes, if not actual outcomes. This is Chris's new pet pet stat. Yeah, yeah. In case right. it's not clear. <laughs> uh, and just uh, two, two more <laughs> no, stats. it's fine. I mean, it's it's it's. It's interesting because it seems to be drastically different from uh, what a lot of the evaluation methods we've been using would suggest. I think so. it's just a little more refined. All right. Yeah, uh, I mean, two more stats, guys. Two more stats. Uh, whatever. Uh, Ian Desmond led all first base eligible players with 20 steals last year. Cody Bellinger was second with 14. And Jerickson Profar had a 7-12 OPS on the road last year with the Rangers. And now he is with Oakland. 712 OPS on the road. I know we're going to talk more about Profar later. Scott's very yeah. high on him. Uh, I assume that will be Scott's sleeper. I, I Which would position profar, are we going to talk about? I would about Profar him? to not talk too much about. <laughs> Heath is very high on him, too. I, I have him higher than I feel comfortable it's with. It's only one spot behind Scott in first base. Yeah. Is that it? Chris, I, Chris is going to lay maybe. into us both I, with his he is uh, second, baseball he, savant expected outcome. Again, and I think Chris and I had this discussion when back when Chris had rankings. <laughs> but I. I have gone to the try to keep my rankings mm-hmm. the same across all positions. And I, th- I think that's the right way to go. And so his second base eligibility, which he's going to have a weekend of the season, makes him – I don't think he's going to outperform a lot of guys I have him ranked ahead of, but he's more valuable because he's going to be second base eligible. Yeah. I just yeah. think there's a chance he's not good. He's going to be eligible at every infield spot. Every I, infield I also spot. think there's a chance he's not good. I'm very nervous about Profar. I can make an argument that he's going to be very good this year. I can make uh-huh. an argument that he's useless. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a chance he's not good either. Because he's going to a really tough park, and he doesn't have much of a track record. But if you're just assessing him by uh, what he did last year, I, I think he actually had bad luck. Okay, more on Profar later. And yes, Profar will be first base, third base, and shortstop eligible to start the year. And then he will be second base eligible. And that's that's a big deal. That really helps. Some overall first base questions, some sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And then we'll get into a complete average draft position review. And we'll be back right after this. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. 
They offer a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, what's your overall first base strategy if we haven't covered that yet? I am kind of back on board with position scarcity this year and the positions where I, I'm, I'm most that I'm most elevating because of it are second base and first base. So as I said earlier... Uh, like the ideal way to start a draft to me, if you don't have one of the top three picks and have to, you know, take Trout, Betts, or Ramirez, because you have to. Uh, my ideal, my ideal way to start a draft is Altuve one and Goldschmidt two. Obviously, I can't control what everybody else does, so it doesn't always happen. I like to, I like to get what I consider a pretty safe first baseman, though, if um, if that doesn't happen, which is why I end up drafting Jose Abreu a lot. Because uh, there's not much reason, looking at the batted ball data, to think he was he's on the decline, even though last year's numbers were disappointing. And uh, he had been very reliable before that. Heath, Chris, overall first-base strategies? I'm fine with drafting Goldschmidt or Freeman in the second round, but I'm a little wary of paying a premium for what probably won't be elite overall production. Uh, just because first base looks shallower right now. Because if Joey Votto has the bounce back that I expect him to have, if Cody Ballinger takes the step forward, I expect the position isn't quite as shallow as I think we might be treating it right now. And that's why I just, when we talk about first base being kind of shallow, we're fighting last year's battle, you know? Like we're we're reacting to last year's numbers and we have to do that to a certain extent, but yeah, this I is mean, just I mean, a one year thing. And the, the long term trend is that first base is always going to have guys who hit thirty home runs and hit two seventy, two eighty. Like those guys will be there. Uh, well, where do you see them coming from? I mean, because we you we mentioned Murphy, we mentioned Hoskins, uh, but like I said, Murphy's probably going to be a second baseman for somebody. I, I think there are a lot of youngish guys who could be better this year than we have. Like Bellinger's one of them, Max Muncy's one of them. Olson, I, I think there's we haven't seen the best of Joey Gallo. Olson is one of them. You know, I can't go through a first base pre- preview without saying Jake Bowers. If Jose Martinez somehow stumbles into oh, everyday playing time. Yeah, but even I mean, he basically was an everyday player last year, and he was he was kind of fringy in mixed leagues. Jose Martinez, he missed a he didn't play he didn't accrue the 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 plate appearances that a lot of guys did, and he wasn't that like he was he was kind he of was a usable, poor man's, but he was fringy. He was kind like, of a poor man's Freddie Freeman. It's on a per plate appearance basis. It's it's the old. Um, 
it's the old dilemma of this guy is good enough to start, therefore I'm okay at the position, versus this is a true standout, therefore I'm getting an and, advantage over my competition. And, and that's the thing is I don't think Goldschmidt and Freeman are actually standouts. Like Adam said, based on historical first base production, they were pretty run of the mill. Well, where did Goldschmidt finish in overall hitters in total points last year, if we want to use that? I will tell um, you, he was 20th. He yeah, he 20th. wasn't the number one first base. Yeah, but he's going in the second round as the 20th overall hitter last year. That seems fair. And he got off to a terrible start. First 48 games for Goldschmidt, he had a 198 batting average, 355 slugging percentage. Last 110 games, he was elite. He had an OPS over 1,000. I don't know if this is so much my first base strategy, but it's something that almost always happens, so I guess it kind of is. I almost always draft at least two of these first basemen because so many of them are eligible at other positions. And I want to have, I think a lot of them are better at the other positions. I don't think first base necessarily is that. I've drafted Cody Ballinger as an outfielder right. several times. I've drafted so Joey Gallo, Gallo as an outfielder, or Jake yeah. Bauer as my last outfielder, or Jerson yeah. Profar as my third, short, second, whatever. So I, I Which, personally think that your first base strategy is probably going to depend on if you have confidence in... Rizzo, Vado, and Abreu probably to bounce back, and Bellinger, I guess, to bounce back, because like, it was a down year. So you have to decide who you like, because they're all pretty much values, except I don't think Bellinger's really discounted. He's 43rd overall in ADP. Mm-hmm. Vado's round six. Jose yep. Abreu's round seven. Um, so if you like those guys to bounce back, Matt Olson is round nine, then yeah. you can, then you can wait at first base. It's up to the it's first- that you decide. The first six base, first basemen off the board last year, which were in some order Goldschmidt, Freeman, Rizzo, uh, Votto, uh, Abreu, and Bellinger, they all performed below expectations. Goldschmidt came the closest, probably. Um, but well, Freeman, they're, Freeman came the closest. Freeman was better. And he was drafted yeah, behind. Okay, Goldschmidt. well, okay. Freeman came, I mean, his OPS dropped 100 points, but. Fine. He he had a he had a pretty good year, but it wasn't the year you drafted him to be. Um, so I, for the most part, I have confidence in all of them bouncing back. The one I have the least confidence of that group is is Bellinger because there's just not enough of a track record there for me to know if he's going to be one of the best home run to fly ball guys or not. And there's the playing time concern. So it it's like if there's anybody. And the fact that he's not really being discounted is like I'm I'm probably not going to have any shares of Bellinger this year. All right, let's do an impromptu segment and keep going with this because let, let's talk about with whether these guys can bounce back. Scott says the one he's least confident in is Bellinger. Chris obviously does not feel that way. Um, I would say that I, I, I am really – I would be thrilled to get Joey Votto in a points or OBP league in round six, and I've been taking him in round five. If it's a standard five by five league with batting average, where Votto's always, you know, very good, but I guess, I guess, just with his age, I trust that less than OBP and you know, in walks. I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, I'm, I have a little bit of concern about Votto in a standard five by five league, whereas I am all about drafting him as often as I can right now in a points league or an OBP league. How do you guys feel about Votto? I actually haven't really drafted him that much this year, probably because Adam takes him every time. <laughs> um, but I'm very optimistic. I think there's a very good chance that we're looking at this next year 
And Joey Votto's coming off a number one first baseman season, mm. number one overall. Ooh. Yeah. Um, He's old, but it's not like what sent his numbers askew was anything that you would say, okay, this guy's skills are diminishing. He just didn't elevate as much. And it, to a point Heath was making earlier, it manifested more as line drives than ground balls. So um, that seems like just a very small tweak away for a guy who's great at understanding his own um, abilities and, and making the necessary tweaks. It's, it's just a small week away, tweak away from getting back to MVP caliber production. And to that point, he had the lowest ground ball percentage of his career. And he scored 67 runs with a 417 on base percentage. I know he missed... Sometimes played 145 games, but that is absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah, that is that is. And we think I that, have noticed that. And that's we crazy. think that could be one of the better lineups in the National League. Yeah, and he's probably going to be at what second or third. Yeah. So he's going to be in position to be driven in a lot. Yeah, his his OBP, Votto's OBP was 417. His <laughs> slugging was 419. That's a weird slash line. Okay, but but he did have that those struggles against lefties, which is I think giving me a little bit of pause if it's just a batting average league or you're not directly getting rewarded for any walks with Votto. Uh, Jose Abreu. So I, I, I have an issue with Jose Abreu because he's kind of up and down in terms of where he finishes among first basemen. Uh, in points leagues, in five years, he's been third, ninth, 11th, fourth, and 19th. Uh, in Roto, he's been first, sixth, 15th, third, and 17th. Last year, he missed, uh, he missed time. He played 128 games. He had testicular torsion he said his testicle was being strangled so just everybody chew on that for a second i just i mean chris and i just made the same thing <laughs> did you say just chew on that for a minute yeah i should have said that i, please, I was please don't yeah don't do that uh just uh think about that grow um, up people what on. does jose this Abreu- is an adult podcast we're all adults here we're Three of us are fathers. We've got a grandfather. We have Let's a, please try to be adults here. We have a draft today, and I'm pretty sure my team name is now going to be <laughs> Testicular Torsion. Uh, so and mine's going to be Bag of Tools to go from uh, Thursday's show. Does Jose Abreu, do you think he's a 290, 30 homer, 100 RBI guy? I'm, I'm not totally sure on the 30 homers, but 290, yes. He'd been, before last year, a very consistent source of that. And uh, yeah, probably approach a hundred RBI. The the one thing is he is older than you probably think. He's thirty two. Uh, already thirty two. Thirty two. Basically, Paul Goldschmidt's age, right? Right, and then like it might have just been the start of the end. Like if if we're you know that that's possible. It, it might have been, but I feel like you'd see a rise in strikeout rate. Um, you'd see uh, the quality of contact numbers suffer more. And remember, also he was—he had—he had health issues last year, um, which can be the other, the other side of the end. No, yeah, he didn't have so, no, he didn't have health issues. He had a fluky testicular torsion. He well, did not yeah, have like hamstring he, he, injuries. He needed—he was—he needed surgery before the end of last season, and um, I think he came back. He did, but at the end, on right? his testicle. Like, sorry to right. keep saying no, the I'm word. Saying, I'm <laughs> saying that probably oh, impacted his performance. Yeah, as well, uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know what led up to it. Like, I don't know if he was dealing with it for a while. I don't think he was. I think it was like, just, oh, my God. <laughs> I've had so many things that I cannot say. I, but I, I think there was something even before that, too. I, I can't remember what it was. I'd have to look. Okay. That I didn't see. 
Um, all right, La- uh, Heath, how do you feel about Cody Bellinger? I want to get your thoughts on that. He ended up last year actually a top seven first well, baseman. Can but, I? Yeah, I I think Jose Barrio also had a an adductor strain, right? Or was uh, that the same of, thing? And were they using that I as a euphemism? It, I think it was part of it. I looking at inside injuries. Um, he had a grade three strain of a core muscle. So that's okay. Yeah. I thought, okay. Okay. I thought he had like core muscle surgery or something, but yeah. then I had part of your core, you know, testicular torsion or <laughs> the, whatever. The greatest <laughs> thing would be that if Adam just totally made up this testicular torsion thing, <laughs> I don't think I did. Torsion? Like, Tor- I, was it torsion? I thought torsion. it was torsion. Yeah. Torsion. torsion. All right. I'm going to Dr. Google Mike it. Tanner will tell us. Jose Abreu testicular. Oh, nothing's coming up right now. So I'm n- nervous about this. Uh, now, first no, article. No, you, Adam, you're right. Yeah, the doctors, they did a very good job. They saved the testicle. All right, Heath, how do you feel about Cody Bellinger? Um, I think there's still some upside there. I like the power. We all should have expected his home rate, home run rate to fall a little bit last year. Um, but he still makes elite contact. He probably, like, he made an improvement in his plate discipline last year. Struck out less than 24% of the time. So I, I still think he has the possibility, especially with his stolen bases, to be a top five first baseman. Okay, and yeah, whether or not he'll play against lefties will be a big deal for Cody Bellinger. He was top seven at first base last year. Anytime you hear like he was top this, whatever, just, I don't know, knock it down like five spots in a normal first base year. Um, and Bellinger was 18th in points, 22nd in Roto at outfield. And there are some reasons to be concerned. His infield fly, his pop-up rate. Pop-up rate. Yelled yeah. at for not saying pop-ups. Uh, <laughs> hey, who? Adam. I got an email. No, we got oh, one got email. An... That was right on. It's like, they're called pop-ups. They're not infield fly balls. I... But a pop-up can go to the outfield, and it's not the same thing. Uh, all right, whatever. No, it's not a pop-up anymore once it goes to the outfield. Yeah, yeah, Unless the shortstop up. runs way back there no, and catches it, and then not, it's still I in the I've definitely heard of, anyway. His pop-up rate. His cans of corn. His That's definitely in the outfield. The problem helping. is it's, is it? it's pop-ups per fly ball. But anyway. And they have to stay inside the base. Look, look, we've talked. No, moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, <laughs> let's do sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Who's your favorite first base sleeper? I'll go with the guy I've drafted, I think, in every single mock we've done so far. And that's Luke Voigt. Now, I I would I would not be so enthusiastic about him if I wasn't consistently getting him in round sixteen or later. But I think there's basically no risk at that point. Um, and what he did after joining the Yankees last season uh, was obviously very impressive. Do I think he can sustain anywhere close to that home run pace? Of course not. But he his swing does seem geared toward hitting fly balls to right field, which would make him a great fit for that park. It's probably the best. Uh, part for him and beyond even the power production i mean this is a guy who i understand he doesn't have a lot of major league experience but even looking at his minor league numbers very high line drive rates he looks like somebody who profiles for a high babip so he could be both a power and batting average source if if he plays every day for the yankees which to me is the biggest question do they really trust him as their permanent option there and can he beat out greg bird <laughs> you laugh uh, about that but uh it, there's they they brian cashman loves him some greg bird better prospect than gary sanchez <laughs> shut up uh if he can i think 30 home runs is is a, a, a reasonable expectation and without hurting you in batting average so that i mean what what is that at first base that's probably 
top 10, right? And Luke Voigt was uh, actually better on the road last year. So he was not just a product of Yankee Stadium. Um, Heath, your sleeper. You know who I'm going to say. Everyone knows who I'm going to say. I'll say Jake Bowers. And Chris hates Jake Bowers. And he did strike out way too much. Was awful, awful, awful in the last month and a half of the season. Had a lot of trouble hitting lefties. And the strikeouts and the hitting lefties were both weird. Because he didn't have trouble hitting lefties in AA or AAA. And he didn't, or in AAA, over two years. And he didn't have strikeout problems at all. In fact, had a 16% strikeout rate. Him not striking out was supposed to be one of his strengths. So I'm just going to trust, uh, especially at his cost. You can get him in the last round or the next last round of the draft. I'll probably get him for a dollar today in today's draft unless Scott just trolls me. Uh, I, I think in that offense with Lindor, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana in front of him, he's got a chance to hit 25 to 30 home runs and drive in 80 to 90 runs. Okay. Oh, I was trying to queue up the uh, the Bowers clip from Little Big League, but I ran out of time. So, uh, Chris, who's your sleeper? Let's go with someone who's being drafted after Josh Bowers and has some success in the major league Josh level. Bowers. Jake Bowers. Jake Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Bell was like it looked like things clicked for him in the second half. In the offseason, he talked about reworking his swing. He was going to be a fly ball revolution guy, and it just it looked like him it messed him up in the first half. But all of a sudden in the second half of the season, the fly ball rate starts inching up a little bit. The infield fly ball rate goes in, basically cuts in half. The home run to fly ball rate basically triples, and it's all in line with a hard hit rate that continued to improve. He doesn't really have um, like major platoon issues. He actually walks well, a ton against lefties. Doesn't strike out that much. There's one split that concerns me. He's not. He has not been good at home in either 2017 or. It's a bad park. It, it's a tough park to hit in, and that could hold him back. But if the skill set, like if he's a little worse at home, but becomes an 860 OPS bat on the road, and he was already an 830 OPS bat, you know, if, if he start continues to make improvements, I think there's definitely top 15, top 12 first base upside. Remember that home run he hit, Scott? Oh, my gosh. It's Josh Bell. That was one of the best home runs I've ever seen. <laughs> that guy, I mean, shirtless, he looks like the super shredder at the end of Secret of the Ooze. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I have no idea what <laughs> the home run, the reference, I don't understand I get the anything reference. of what just happened. Good job, Scott. All right, that's Josh Bell. So Scott says Luke Voigt. Heath says Jake Bowers. Scott says, or Chris says Josh Bell as sleepers. Uh, let's do breakouts, and let's go a little faster, guys. I want to get to ADP. There are a lot of people to talk about. Breakout first baseman, Heath. Joey Gallo, he got 50 homer potential. I think there's a better chance that he stays in the middle of the order this year just because they got rid of some of their better hitters. And so that should help him in terms of plate appearances and RBI. And gosh darn it, he should be a 225 hitter. Okay, and he hit 206 last year with 40 <laughs> homers, and he was 14th yeah. in points, 10th in roto at first. So he's always going to be better in uh, in Roto. Um, kind of looked like he sold out less for power in the second half, and he did hit, I think, about two thirty. So if that's yeah. if yeah. he can sustain that, but the and problem he was on a fifty is, homer pace. Like, the there's prob- no reason he needs to sell out for power as drastically as he does. It, but in two thousand, okay, so Gallo hit two thirty nine after the All Star break with one point three six strikeouts per game. Two thousand seventeen after the All Star break, he hit two twenty nine. With 1.31 strikeouts per game, so I, f- I feel like we had the same conversation a year ago about yeah. what Gallo did second half. 
but he's still young enough that I still have hope it'll stick one of these years. Okay, okay. Uh, he was going to be my choice, but I have another choice. Okay, who you got? And that choice will be uh, Max Muncie, who already broke out last year from a skills standpoint. He was the Dodgers' best hitter through the time they traded for Manny Machado. And then after they got Manny Machado, they decided, well, we don't need you anymore, Max Muncie. You're just going to start against right-handed pitchers, which was crazy because at the time, his numbers against the lefties was even better than righties. They still finished... Uh, he still finished with very good numbers against lefties. Obviously a small sample. Maybe the Dodgers know something I don't. But it seemed unfair for a guy who looks like he has uh, – I, I don't even know. I don't even know that there's a good modern comparison for uh, the on-base ability plus the power. Um, I don't know. Like It, it kind of reminds me of like a Brian Giles or something going back that far. Like if he's an everyday player and is legitimately as good as he looked last year, he's top five at Uh first base. So I'm reluctant to draft him because I'm not that confident he's going to play every day. But the 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 best case scenario is is very sunny. Okay, Max Muncy is Scott's breakout, and Chris, your breakout. Um, Matt Olson. I think he just needs to get like 10% better and he's a, a star. Now it'll be hard in that park. That's another one that, that does give me a little pause, but it hasn't totally killed him yet. And, you know, he's one of the elite exit velocity guys in baseball was fifth in the majors in percentage of home run or balls hit harder than 95 miles per hour promising plate discipline signs especially when you get into the swing level stuff um cut his con or improved his contact rate cut his rate of swinging at pitches out of the zone he just needs to get a little bit better to be really really good matt olson believe it or not was the number eight first baseman in points leagues number 11 in roto and sounds he, like it was already pretty good yeah but he really wasn't and he hit 29 home runs 14 at home 15 on the road the batting average though was 40 points lower at home, and my favorite stat about Matt Olson: 2017, he was amazing. Uh, 24 homers in 59 games. He had 49 hits in 2017, and 24 of them were home runs. What's weird about Matt Olson? I, I swear his ADP is higher this year than last year. Yeah, you're right. Round nine, right after Daniel Murphy, and right before Max Muncy and Edwin Encarnacion for Matt Olson. That's and really strange. Daniel Murphy might be the breakout pick. Uh, yeah, we're talking yeah, about him. In, we'll in we'll save that for the second base show. Yeah, uh, well, you might never know where you're going to play him. Um, all right, so the breakouts. Muncie for Scott, Gallo for Heath, Olsen for Chris. Heath, give me a bust. Uh, it's so hard with ADP but because it does seem like the first basemen are falling farther than they did last year in a lot of regards. Except Olsen. Except for Olsen, and I like Olsen, so I'm going to say Jesus Aguilar. I'm just a little bit concerned. Stole mine. I stole yours. I, I think there's a little bit of reason to be concerned about what happened to him in the second half, and then there's a little bit of reason to be concerned with the Brewers about what happens to his playing time if that happens at the, at the start of the first half. They've still got a lot of good players there. All right, Jesus Aguilar, a bust for Heath and Chris. Scott, who's a bust? Edwin Encarnacion. I got into it a little bit already. In addition to the declining... Um, uh, plate discipline numbers, which would seem to be an indicator of age and, and being old. He's going to be playing in a pitcher's park for the first time in his career after always being in very favorable hitting environments. 
Uh, like you said, Adam, his career numbers in Seattle, which is I don't think it's called Safeco anymore. I think it's T-Mobile something. Uh, but his career numbers oh, there wow. are pretty good. Uh, but, you know, obviously that's not the same as playing there regularly as a 36-year-old with declining play discipline numbers. Sure. Oh, so I didn't know Safeco was gone. It's a very it's a shocking day for me. Yeah, it was such a, you know, felt so safe always being able to cite it off memory. We're going to go through ADP as much as we can. Before we do that, just want to let everybody know. I think Chris had another pick. Go ahead, Chris. He stole his. Who's your bust? Ian Desmond is going in the 12th round. Oof, in Roto. In, in Roto. He doesn't deserve to play Exist. Major League Baseball. <laughs> uh, he's he's 2020, I mean, though. Been, he's legitimately been one of the worst everyday players in baseball for two years running. Though. But that doesn't matter in fantasy because he was the number eight first baseman in Roto last year. Number yeah, 11 but that was points. with a 24% home run to fly ball rate when he didn't hit the ball very yeah. well. He I has, think he only had two home runs in the second half or something yeah, and crazy. If he Led steals base 15 steals. bases and hits eight home runs, he's he's a non-factor. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing, but he just he does show up higher in in fantasy than you would think. Okay. He's terrible, Adam. Well, you know what's not terrible is playing on CBSSports.com. The commissioner product is awesome. It's for real serious fantasy players. Or if you just, you know, if you're not serious, you can still have a great time playing on CBS Sports. But it's customizable. You play in different types of formats, your own stat categories, your own scoring by position. There's a very deep player pool. You can add your own player, your minor leakers. We get emails. Hey, can we add this guy? Uh, you know, players, I've, people I've never even heard of before. Um, advanced stats for the analytics savvy managers. You can build franchises, play dynasty. We've gotten really good with dynasty and the in-app commissioner tools are, are got, have gotten so much better. So the apps improve. The product's so great. Go to cbssports.com slash FBT and start your league today. cbssports.com slash FBT. Uh, in order to avoid having like an hour and 15 minute long podcast, we're a little later than usual on when we start ADP, but we did talk a lot about these guys. So um, I think we could talk more about draft value for a lot of these players. Goldschmidt, 18th overall. Freeman, 22nd overall. Your thoughts? Both great values. It's fine. Any, mm-hmm. Anybody have, have Goldschmidt ahead of Freeman? Scott, you do? I do. I do. Um, yeah. I mean, I for the last four months last year, Paul Goldschmidt was – the same Paul Goldschmidt as always, just he didn't run as much. But, you know, that still meant a ton of power, good batting average. And we're talking about Machado, Bryce Harper, obviously Javier Baez we don't want over him, um, Trey Turner, Ronald Acuna, these guys all going ahead of Goldschmidt and Freeman. What do you think? I would not take Acuna ahead of either of them. Uh, I don't think I would either. I don't. I don't think so. No, I mean... It's happening so consistently that I'm afraid it's going to skew my judgment, but I try, I'm, I'm trying to keep within myself on this. I, I think I'd be fine with it. Are you taking Lindor or your best first baseman? Lindor. I dropped in, Lindor behind Freeman. In theory. <laughs> it, but it, I, the rubber hasn't met the road there yet. I can so actually we'll see. see them having very similar seasons, weirdly. Here's, here's the thing that I will say about Lindor really? and the first baseman. At the end of the first round, I am more likely to take one of the first basemen, which I think I'm the only one, only one that will take them in the first round. Um, but I was in a mock draft where we got to 17, and both the first basemen were still there and Lindor was still there, and I took Lindor because it didn't feel as risky in the second round. Sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, Rizzo is the third first baseman off the board. He's 34th overall. He's sort of on an island um, in round three, Anthony Rizzo. 
very safe and almost exactly where I have him ranked. Yeah, I have no concerns about his drop off in production last year. I think he's the same Anthony Rizzo as always. And so that's good value. Okay, the same Anthony Rizzo as always is a great hitter in points leagues, top 12 typically, more like top 20 overall hitter in Roto, uh, but extremely safe, typical Anthony Rizzo. Then we've got Cody Bellinger and Reese Hoskins. We are going to count Reese Hoskins. He's only outfield eligible right now. He will be first base eligible after the probably the first week of the season. Bellinger and Hoskins basically have the same ODP. Who do you prefer? Hoskins. Bellinger has more upside, but I'd probably be more likely to draft Hopkins. I far prefer Hoskins. I think this is a little bit of a value for him. But um, <laughs> what happened? Heath called him Hopkins. No, I did. Oh, I, just, I keep calling you Heath. So <laughs> yeah, the second time this podcast know, at I've least done you know that. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I think this is too soon for Bellinger. I'm I'm good with him in the fifth, but this is too soon. So Chris, you like Hoffman here? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just want to say a different name. What, what, who is Reese Hoskins? What do we expect from Reese Hoskins? Kind of an interesting year last year. <laughs> I, I wonder how much trying to learn outfield and being arguably the biggest contributor to the worst defensive team in the <laughs> history of Major League Baseball. I wonder how much that affected him. Like that's, it's not unreasonable to think he took that into the batter's box with him. And still went out and hit 250 with 34 homers and, what, 180 combined runs in RBI. So Yeah, and I, I remember it. I'm looking up the splits now, but I remember it being a really slow start, maybe for, maybe for the reason you mentioned. Yeah, yeah I think you should expect a lot of um, dongs, uh, runs, no, and RBI. It was and a, a better offense. He's, 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 a great he's, one, he's one of those players, though, that seems more valuable in head-to-head than Roto because good on-base skills, but not looking like a good source of batting average. But man, Chris's Chris's point about the defense for a guy who reached base at a three fifty four clip last year and had thirty four home runs, his WAR was point five because <laughs> he was so bad in left field. And it was a little better on Fangraphs, but they still had him as minus eighteen runs, which is horrendous. Okay, so that's that's round four. It's Goldschmidt and Freeman in round two, Rizzo in round three, Bellinger and Hoskins in round four. Then we go all the way to round six. There is somebody we have not talked about, the most controversial player on this show every year, I feel. Uh, Joey Votto, not him. Matt Carpenter. They're going in round six. Um, Votto, Carpenter. Like, how about round six and seven? Which one of these is not like the other? Votto, Carpenter, Abreu, Jesus Aguilar. Uh, Aguilar's by far the least likely to be drafted on my team. I, I don't think I'm going to have a single share of him this year. Right. I'll come back to him in a second. But what do you think about Vado, about Carpenter with Vado and Abreu? I, I I think there's a lot more risk with Carpenter. He's he's actually on my bust list. I think there's performance risk. I think there's health risk. There's age risk. Um, well, age, he's younger than Votto. Sure, but he's there are with his body breaking down. I think I think he's probably closer to a decline than Votto is. He was the best of this group last year. He had a down 2017 that we spent six months telling you was a fluke. I think Matt Carpenter is going to be awesome again. I think the the risk is mostly priced in. Because we've seen what the upside is, and it's a top, what, 15 hitter? If The best version of Matt Carpenter should be third at first base. Well, well, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Because the best version of Joey Votto is better. It's certainly a top 15 hitter in points leagues. Uh 
but yeah. he's probably going. I mean, we don't have the data. He's probably going round four or five on average in points leagues. But the thing about the this group is the best version of Joey Votto and Matt Carpenter is probably better than the best version of Anthony Rizzo, probably better than the best version of Cody Ballinger and Reese Hoskins. And so that's where you get the potential for real league winning value in yeah. this group. But when are we going to get the best best version of Carpenter? Because we haven't we, yet. Last we got year. it for a it last three year. month stretch no, in the middle of last year. Season. No, he did not. For the whole season. Yes, no, he did. His no. whole season was great. Well, he, okay. What was, his, what was his batting average? His like? whole season was really, really good. He was a top 15 or 20 hitter. Yeah, it, okay. It, that, so if your best season is 15th in points, 22nd in Roto, I mean that's good. It's yeah, we that's, that's praising, not more upside we than Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo for doing that. No, we no his best. I mean his best season was probably like a top five hitter. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true in Roto. Uh, well, well, that's the thing with Carpenter. Like normally Carpenter's not that good in Roto. This is what I always try to say because his his batting average is is not good. He doesn't yep. drive in a lot of runs because he bats lead off or second. He doesn't usually hit that many home runs. He had 36 last year. That was a huge outlier for him. He doesn't steal bases. Yeah. So I, we, were, I don't, we, we were hoping he could hit for that kind of power. But. I don't think we can look back at the pre-2015 version of Carpenter and the, all the home run concerns. Like He's given us now, even if you just look at the last two years, of a, over a 42% hard contact rate and over a 46% fly ball rate. That is a home run hitter. But that he's is great, a guy that's going to hit 30 home runs. He's greatly sacrificed batting average to do that, so I'm not sure... It, it really helped him in Roto that much. I mean, last year he did. had 257. I mean, it definitely did. Year before 241. Well, is this a good spot for him in between yeah, Votto and Abreu? I, I will. I'll just wait until somebody takes Joey Votto and then take Matt Carpenter. I, I would rather have Abreu. I would. I would rather not have a clear injury risk who is going to sink my batting average. I mean, he's huh? he's never had testicular torsion. <laughs> and and the thing with Carpenter is yes. I think the perception of him is that he's not typically a great Roto player, but he's been a very good Roto option in fine. two of his the last four years. He's been a fine Roto option, but he's not a standout. He, he was top 20 last I mean, he year. He was a standout last year, last year but 22nd, I mean, by the way. Sorry. Hitter. With with an outlier home run total, and maybe he can do it again, <laughs> but it's. it's there, there's always. Like. There's just so much anxiety attached to Carpenter all the time. Like, who needs that in your life? He hit 28 in, in 2015 with like a billion doubles. All right, let's wrap he it hit on 21 him. 21 in 130 games in 2016. I don't think there's that much of like it's an outlier of maybe six or seven home runs, which that happens for a lot of guys. Uh, okay, so that's Carpenter. Let's see, uh, Jesus Aguilar here. He, he did have a bad second half: 245, 324, 436. But he also hits the crap out of the ball um, two straight years. What's not legit about him, about Jesus Aguilar? I think Heath said it best earlier. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mostly believe in the skill set, but I don't believe in the Brewers necessarily sticking with him if, if he's not his, his very best and he wasn't in the second half last year. And he's just not proven enough, and they have a lot of op- alternatives. Okay, then let's move on, because uh, we do not think Jesus Aguilar should go in the seventh round. Then there's nobody in the eighth round. Then we have Joey Gallo in the ninth round, Daniel Murphy, and Matt Olson and Max Muncy, all in this round. Joey Gallo, Daniel Murphy, Matt Olson, and Max Muncy. It's another pretty interesting group here. What do you guys think of it? I'll say it one more time. Gallo, Murphy, Olson, Muncy. 
round nine might just be the best time to draft a first baseman. I love all of these guys. I think all of them could be legitimately great. Who's your favorite, guys? Probably Murphy. Um, yeah. Who, all right. Who are the other ones again? Yeah. Murphy, Gallo, Murphy, Olson, and Muncie. I would say Murphy. Yeah. I mean, I'm factoring in the second base eligibility there. That's the thing is, I have a really hard time believing I'm going to end up playing Murphy at first base, but Muncie is actually my favorite. Yeah, I, I don't know that I look at this group and I say round nine is the time to draft the first baseman. I like I, I wouldn't mind getting them as the second first baseman that I've drafted. Uh, you know, playing them at utility or you know, the, some maybe who has outfield eligibility? Gallo has outfield eligibility, and Murphy has third base. Mur- Daniel Murphy. I like no, these guys. Muncy. Second base for Murphy. I like yeah. these guys, but I do feel like it's getting it's getting risky. I mean, if you know, it is it is getting risky. They all have downside. I would yeah. have a hard time taking Olsen in round nine when Edwin Encarnacion is going as late as he is. Yeah, we haven't said his name yet. He's going in round ten. I think after Encarnacion in round ten, I'll say who's being drafted through the first ten rounds: Goldschmidt, Freeman, Rizzo, Bellinger, Hoskins, Votto, Carpenter, Abreu, Aguilar, Gallo, Murphy, Olsen, Muncie, Encarnacion. That's like. 15, 14 or 15 guys. I think after that, we're going to be like very hesitant to have any of these guys as our starting first baseman, except maybe Carlos Santana in a points league. Um, do you think Encarnacion should go ahead of Aguilar, Gallo, Murphy, Olsen, Muncie? Just Olsen. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I'm with you. Sorry. And the reason I like that round nine group is that's kind of the last part of the draft where I like the potential for these guys until really we get into the final picks. So we're really down on Encarnacion. Like if you're taking Max Muncie ahead of him, a guy who has pretty much no track or track record compared to Encarnacion, who has one of the best track records in baseball. Uh, yeah. You know that I'm not disagreeing, but that is quite a statement. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure about that. Uh, about uh, I mean one thing like I think Encarnacion makes a difference for format too because you know the walk rate is declining but it's still pretty good and he's not much help in batting average so it's harder to justify him in the format this ADP is 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 based around I, I think it's I think it's justifiable for him to drop that far in this format um, but he'd go earlier in a points like he should and Carlos Santana was the number 16 first baseman in Roto last year. He was number five in points, <laughs> and he hit two twenty nine. So he had more walks than strikeouts. Carlos Santana is so good in points leagues. And uh, would you take him over Aguilar, Gallo, Murphy, Olson, Muncie, and Carnacion in specifically a points league? I'd take him over Olson in a points league. I actually, yeah, I have him ahead of Olson. That's the only one. Really? That's Otherwise, it. I have him at the I, end. I of would that group. definitely take him over Aguilar. Okay. I, they're in the same tier, so it's like really, it's going to depend who's left um, for me. But but technically, I rank him lower. All right, we got this big group here now, starting in round eleven and later. We're about fifteen first basemen in, and I just want to know who you guys like. Uh, you know, they don't have to be your starter by any means. Some of these guys don't even have to be your first baseman. Jerickson Profar, Ian Desmond, Eric Hosmer, Miguel Cabrera, Luke Voigt. 
let's start there with those five. Profar, go- Desmond, Hosmer, Cabrera, Voigt. I'm going to mostly uh, avoid this group. I think Hosmer is the only one I've drafted so far, which is weird to say. You know, on like this kind of gets to what we were saying about the way depth works at first base. I don't, except for maybe Desmond, I don't hate any of this group. Um, and even Desmond, I could see if I just really got boxed out on stolen bases, just throwing up my hands and hoping that uh, the power's not so bad. But, um, I mean, one guy we haven't talked about at all is Miguel Cabrera, and there's still, I think, reason to be optimistic he can have a bounce-back season. His last two seasons were wrecked by injury, and he still had great, uh, a great batted ball profile that lends itself to a high batting average. And, um, you know, he could, he could surprise a lot of people this year. If he's playing DH and, and able to stay on the field, he hasn't fallen enough yet where I'm willing to roll the dice on him, but... I think one one day this March that draft will come. I, I've rolled the dice on him because I think if you play in a shallow league with where you only have to roster one first baseman, Miguel Cabrera might not get drafted. You could take him super late. He's got a 16th round ADP on Fantasy Pros, and I just think he. I'm not expecting a ton of home runs, but I do think he's going to have a good batting average when he plays. And late round batting average is hard to find. Uh, all right, so that group was uh, Profar, Desmond, Hosmer, Miggy, and. And uh, did I say Luke Voigt? That put you him did. In that group? Okay, you Luke did. Voigt. We know, you know Scott I like likes. Him. Yep. And nobody else does. Which is why I keep getting him. Uh, Carlos Santana, Jose Martinez, Yuli Gurriel, Peter Alonso, and Justin Smoke. Santana, Jose Martinez, Gurriel, Alonso, and Smoke. I'm most likely to draft Peter Alonso in this group. Yeah. I think it might be Yuli for me. They all have playing time concerns, kind of under-the-radar playing time concerns. Although, uh, Sandy Alderson still did Mets GM? No. Who is it? Brody Van Wagenen. Oh, Van Brody. Agent. He said, I think fairly recently, that he still expects Peter Alonso to be their opening for dead yep, first base. That would, that would be his choice. Too. And if, if that happens, I think he probably needs to go much earlier. six rounds yeah. earlier. Than I mean, this. he's... He's he's earned 80 grades for his power, which is the highest. Yeah. They 80 grades are rarely handed out. Yeah, I don't think there's in terms of skill set coming up as a prospect. I don't think there's that big of a difference between him and Reese Hoskins. And yeah. we were very excited about Reese Hoskins when he got called up. Yeah, Alonso, um, uh, 24 years old, could be the Mets' opening day first baseman. Had a 9.40 career OPS in the minors and 114 walks to 221 strikeouts in 255 games for power hitter. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so there's that group. Guriel, Heath mentioned, you can get some batting average from him. And he also, he's been pretty good with runs and RBIs because he hits usually in the middle of the order. Um, eh, he might bat like sixth uh, in the for the Astros, which is pretty good. And he's been very good with runners in scoring position for what that's worth. Uh, next group, somebody I, I'm very interested in. Uh, I'll tell you who later. Josh Bell, Tyler White. I think we like this group, uh, at least some of it. Josh Bell, Tyler White, Jake Bowers. C.J. Crone, Trey Mancini. I, I'm, I'd say it now. I'm really interested in Tyler White. Like I know he had a terrible month in September. Terrible. Right. But I want to gamble on Tyler White. He's he's a very interesting player because it, it like if he didn't have that bad finish in September, I think he would probably be drafted among the top 15 first baseman right now. He looks like the guy who's going to take over DH now that Evan Gaddis is out. In Houston, he's always had great minor league numbers. And 
know, even with that September, last year's numbers look pretty good. It's just how quick of a hook will the Astros have with him? Uh, Kyle Tucker is still looking for a way in the lineup. If Tyler White performs, it could be why Yuli Gurriel ends up not being an everyday player anymore because they still have to find a spot for Kyle Tucker. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see the way that plays out. But in theory, White looks like a mixed-league caliber bat. Yeah, so Bell, Tyler White, Jake Bowers, three guys that you know, at least one of us seems to like uh, as a late-round pick. And then uh, I think we can call it a day here. Um, Scott and I are going to be back on Tuesday, and we can talk maybe a little bit more about these guys. I, I just Honestly, if Brandon Bell plays a full season, he's probably going to be a top 15 points first baseman. He's very good in that format, and he's basically free. Just so, very worried about concussions with him. Yeah, absolutely. You're not getting him for a full year. But if your first baseman gets hurt in a points league, go to the waiver wire and get Brandon Belt. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That was a good preview. That was first base. Please email us at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I expect to have two more position previews next week. Chris and Heath are sort of out of the office, so Scott and I will be uh, doing uh, on Tuesday and Thursday probably some mailbags and other topics. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Thank you guys. Chris, Heath, Scott, have a great weekend, everybody. We will talk to you with a fresh episode on Tuesday. I like Justin Bohr.